0: Love Yours, an experimental podcast. So welcome back to Love Yours, an experimental podcast with me, Charlotte Tahira. This week's chapter, or principle, is called F Your Dreams. It's not called F Your Dreams, it's called F-U-C-K Your Dreams, but I don't want to swear, just in case there's any younger listeners. Um, It's a really interesting chapter, actually. It basically talks about the need to be real with yourself and for the people around you to be real with you about your expectations, your hopes, your goals, your dreams. And it also talks about the difference between people who limit them and people who give you a reality check about them because there's a big difference. There's a difference in someone telling you you're aiming too high compared to someone telling you you're aiming in the wrong direction. So it's a really, really interesting chapter. I actually really like this chapter. And in the chapter, Charlemagne starts looking at the people in his circle and realising he didn't want to be like any of them. He was a proper street guy at this time, proper roadman, And he started to realise that, for one, he didn't want to be like them. And for two, his family has started to look down on him Because they associated him with this lifestyle. Which is another similarity between me and Charlemagne. We both care a lot about how people perceive us. He was really happy to be the roadman until his family and his closest loved ones seen him as the roadman. And that's when it started to bother him. I've always cared a lot about how people perceive me. Sometimes a little too much. Sometimes I've cared so much that it's it's kind of like impacted how I'm acting or change how I'm acting I remember when I started looking at my circle a bit sideways we used to spend every day I mean I was still a student at the time and we used to spend every day in a park getting stoned fighting with girls over man doing petty crime I won't go into the details I don't want (laughs) to get myself in any trouble but we literally were just dossers and like we're just bummy people. And I remember as well when I started to look at my circle and then while I was in college, look at that circle and see the, the real differences. The real differences between being around creatives compared to being around the people in my local area. And I think the circle in college is what motivated me to want more because we were very competitive. We were studying performing arts You was always competing with your classmate for a role, so you had to be on your A game all the time. You was even competitive amongst yourselves with grades. Not that if my classmate got a distinction, I couldn't get a distinction, but if she got a distinction and I got a merit, that was a problem. And so that circle allowed me to see a different outlook on life compared to the circle I'd grown up with my local friends, like my the people who were there from before, before the passion. When I think about it, a big percentage of my friends from my area are now either living a nine-to-five life, quite unhappily, in and out of jail, or on benefits. Which is sad, because I come from a borough that's actually very creative. Their mindset wasn't. And I think Charlemagne addresses that a lot in this chapter, about how who you're around, you become them. And people perceive you to be like them even if they don't know you. It's that guilty by association, isn't it? Your circle is actually so crucial to your mindset. I remember when I first told my local, my end circle, that's what we call it, the ends that I wanted to get into like performing arts and radio and people found it hilarious. They couldn't take me seriously. And I really believed I was going to be the next Halle Berry, but they were just like, this girl's ridiculous. How's that going to make you any money right now? Luckily, I had two circles. I had my creative circle and I had my end circle. One thing my end circle definitely did was keep me grounded and keep me streetwise, which actually I think in this industry is something that <laughs> a lot of people don't have. That common sense, that streetwise, that kind of... I don't know what to call it. It's just that thing where you just know how to navigate and you know how to carry yourself and you know when you're in a dodgy situation. That instinct, that survival instinct. My end circle gave me the survival instincts and my creative circle gave me the creativity I needed and the motivation I needed. In this chapter, Charlemagne talks a lot about how Because he grew up as a Jehovah's Witness, it made him feel left out of a lot of social things, which I can completely relate to. So I was raised Muslim until I started rebelling at the age of 15, 16, which meant no Halloween. In fact, I still remember the day, rest in beautiful peace, her soul, my neighbour Danielle knocked on my door dressed as a devil. And I quickly was like, oh, we're out of candy, sorry, um... She's like, oh, you're not trick-or-treating. Why are you not out? Yeah, uh, I went out earlier, but we're out of candy. And as I'm trying to lie to cover up the fact that we don't celebrate Halloween, my dad comes over, we don't celebrate Halloween. Why are you dressed as a devil? And it was just so embarrassing. I must have been about nine or ten. Didn't celebrate Halloween. Didn't celebrate Christmas. And birthdays were not meant to be a big deal. And Islam birthdays are not a big deal. Photos are not a big deal. I can count how many photos I have of my entire childhood until I was old enough to start using those photo booths to take my own photos because my dad just did not do photos. My dad was also very sexist and so although my brothers could go and run with their friends, if I wanted to be out and it wasn't with my brothers, I was considered that I was doing something dirty, trampy, slutty, wasn't behaving appropriately. So... I had a lot of resentment towards the religion because I felt like it was very unfair. And I'm not saying that Islam is sexist, but my dad's perception of it was. And it's interesting that Charlemagne was raised a Jehovah's Witness and I was raised a Muslim because both of us as adults have decided that we're more spiritual than religious. We don't believe in teaching our children about myths like Santa Claus and the tooth fairy but we do believe that there's a greater being controlling everything and if you want to label him god then that's what he is anyways i feel like i'm bouncing all over the place i'm kind of just looking through my notes that i made as i was reading this chapter and there was someone that came into charlemagne's life dr evans who if you listen to the last episode um i spoke about carla and lisa dr evans sounds like he was charlemagne's carla and lisa the ray of light and the inspiration that made him refocus his life. Dr. Evans, he gives credit to. It's so important when you're feeling lost, when you're feeling trapped, when you're feeling that you're destined for a certain life to have a mentor, to have that person who comes along and shows you there's more to life, that you can do more and that you can be more. And for Charlemagne, that was Dr. Evans. And for me, it was my college teachers, Lisa and Carla. And ironically, Dr. Evans is the person who told Charlemagne, F your dream to be a rapper. It's not serious. You're not good. You're not going to make it. Now, Carla and Lisa didn't say, F your dream to be an actress, but they also encouraged me to go to university instead of drama school, which is interesting because if you want to be an actress, you usually go to drama school. They did it in a much more PC, subtle way. And Charlemagne goes on to talk about how natural radio felt compared to his previous dream of being a rapper and for me that was acting compared to presenting. I absolutely love acting. I love portraying different characters. I love getting into a a different emotion and telling a story which is a part of radio. We are storytellers but acting never came as naturally to me as presenting did. I always thought acting was the number one goal until I went to university and studied around some of the geekiest actors I've ever met. Quoting playwriters and going to the theatre three times a week while I just wanted to turn up, listen to music and socialise. That passion for theatre wasn't there the way it was for others on my course. And I guess that's when I realised that as much as acting is a passion of mine, it doesn't have to be my career path because i found joy doing student radio i mean <laughs> we would not be allowed on air now we were swearing we was playing dirty music we was talking recklessly about everything and anyone we didn't understand anything to do with radio and the process of making radio but we just loved putting the mic up me and my friend sholey it was called show and Shah. oh i love that show it was such a vibe it was so fun all we literally did was plug in our iPod and use the microphone but it was such a vibe and it was my first taste of like what presenting could be and I fell in love and people told me you sound good. you got such a radio voice. You sound like you belong on the radio. I mean it's kind of an insult isn't it that whole face for radio but I've always used my voice to connect and communicate and tell stories with my friends, with my family and now I was doing it To the whole of Brunel University and I loved it. I couldn't get enough of it. And then I started to think, okay, I don't need to be Halle Berry. I can be Oprah or Ellen. I mean, ironically, these are both TV presenters, but they were the references I had at the time. I did start listening to Choice FM, but I can't remember who the breakfast presenter was in the morning. And so I started to believe that that's what I was going to be, a big radio personality. I even entered the Kiss competition I didn't get very far only got to like the second round I think it's called kiss chosen one so excited and then in my third year at university I managed to bag a placement at local community station Hayes FM I'd go out and make vox pops talking to members of the public and I loved it even though I wasn't getting to be on mic and I wasn't doing my own show just getting to interview members of the public oh it was fascinating and at the time i remember my grandma being like what you doing radio for i can't do her accent she's grenadian we're doing radio for it's not a serious job it's a hobby even till this day now that i work for the bbc she still wants me to go and be a nurse that would be her dream if i told her i've quit radio grandma and i'm going to be a nurse she would love it and charlemagne talks about his aunt penny he's really a cousin but he calls her aunt penny and how she tried to tell him that he's aiming too high. He shouldn't set his sights too high. Well, I'm telling you this. I plan to be bigger than Charlemagne the God one day. He'll be listening back to this podcast going, oh wow, that girl studied my book and made a podcast about it. And now look, she's interviewing me. You have to set your sights high. You have to know the difference between people who are putting their limitations onto you, projecting onto you, compared to people who are just giving you constructive criticism. So this chapter's mainly just made me reflect on the fact that your circle is so key to your success. The people around you will build you up or break you down. And you need to make sure you have a strong circle around you who are influencing you in the right way. So I'm going to end this episode on this quote. It's on page 99 and it's actually from Charlemagne himself. And it really sums up my mood and why I even started this podcast. He says... We have to stop thinking that just because we see something working spectacularly for someone else, that that's the only path available to us. That's by Charlemagne the God. And it's real. Don't look at other people's circle, unless you plan to make that circle a part of your circle. Don't look at other people's journey. Don't look at other people's methods. Learn from them, yes, but ultimately build your own team, your own circle, your own story. I think that's it. Like I've just jumped all over the gap in this episode as I did last episode. That's becoming a the common theme. It's just all my thoughts as I read the chapter and they bounce around. The mind of a creative, there's always about a thousand tabs open. Anyways, let me know what you think about F your dreams. Has anyone ever told you F your dreams? Were they right? Let me know. Give me a comment, share, drop me a DM and I'll see you on the next episode. Love yours. An experimental podcast.